Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. When someone at your work talks about you when you're not around, what image do they have of you? And what are they portraying to the person they're talking to about you? Good question. Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast. Whether you know it or not, you have the power to create in someone's mind and therefore in their discussion of you the image that they portray of you. When they're talking to someone else, you're not there. <laughs> you know, think about that. After a customer has left where you work that you interacted with, and they meet someone at another store or the gas station or something, and they say, hey, can I ask you a question? I saw you just left, and you were talking to, what do you think about them? The image that you left them with, or even created in their mind of you or your business, or the quality of your work, is something that you actually do have control over. And it's important because it goes down the road when you don't. (laughs) Or think of this too, when you're working alongside some people and you don't come in for a day, we got sick or you had had the day off, what do they say about you when you're not there? Or after you do a Zoom call with some people and it's over, you have ended the call on your side, but they're still hanging around chatting. What do they say about you after you have exited the Zoom room? (laughs) Hmm. Some people might say, you know, I can't care about that. I can't control what people think about me. Well, let me tell you this. That is a lazy cop-out comment because yes, you can control what they think about you. And yes, you can make enough of an impact or an image that what they say about you is favorable. And as Christians, there is a much bigger responsibility for what image we leave with people too. Because you have been bought with a price. Yes, the price that Jesus paid on the cross for you. And you owe it to him as a thank you at least. to leave a lingering image or a sweet-smelling aroma, as Paul says, about Christ when you leave the room or when you're not there. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, wow, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And remember, Jesus commands us to be light in a dark world, not blend in with everyone else, not be part of the negative conversations that people have about others when they're not around. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
And here's a really good one to consider. Ephesians 2.10 For we Christians are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, when you became a Christian, God prepared the place for you to work and supplied the people around you that you work next to to be that light to them, to do good works so they may see them. And Scripture goes on to say, and people will notice your good works, how good of a work you do, how good of a worker you are, and will praise your Father in heaven because of the good works that you do, because of the good job that you do, and especially because of the good attitude that you have or the customers he has come in to interact with you, or the vendor that came in just before lunch and takes you to lunch to get to know you a little better, or that couple that's in line with you waiting at the restaurant and the idle chat turns to some topic of discussion of the day. (laughs) How do you handle that discussion? I try so hard to do this in my RV repair business, and it works. I get some amazing comments that's all to the praise and glory of God. Comments like, wow, you were like a godsend. (laughs) Or a lady said after I fixed her wheelchair access to her little camper, you are one in a million. I mean seriously, one in a million There are 999,999 people that are not like you. And to think, I met you and you came and fixed my wheelchair access when no one else in town could. Well, here's an excerpt from a testimonial on my website, bjc-rv.com. I got in touch with Kevin. He volunteered to go to the dealer and spent three hours to carefully inspect our used unit and then work with our salesman to remedy anything needed. Not only that, but he wanted to get together after and thoroughly explain everything and including maintenance tips. Wow, sounded very thorough. As good as all that sounded, it was even so much beyond expectation when I actually met Kevin. After he did the inspection, we met, and he spent over two hours with me explaining point by point exactly from his written report what he had inspected and its condition, and then explained all the maintenance behind each item. All in all, I was so impressed. He definitely went so far beyond the extra mile. Because of that, it made me realize who he actually serves in life. Praise God right? (laughs) That's being a light in a dark world. That's people noticing your good works and praising God. And if they don't do it, you sure can. (laughs) Okay, let's back up a little bit and talk about another reason why we should be light in a dark world and why we should have a good attitude when we work or are around people and be a representative of Christ at our job or when we're dealing with people. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. See, we are the image of God. He wants us to get that. After all, he said it three different times in three different ways right there in that little passage. It is important, therefore, then, to understand the meaning of the word image. According to Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, the word image, in the context of what we're talking about today at least, right, it means an exact likeness a resemblance, or a semblance in appearance. And I also like to get the meaning from the Bible itself, you know, like using Strong's Concordance or or looking up where that same word occurs other places in the Bible and find out the context that it's used there. So when I do that with the word image, and I find verses like we, like I just read and And here's another one in Genesis 5, 1 through 2, where he kind of says the same thing. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. So that word image also can be described with the word likeness. Okay? I looked up that word likeness in Strong's, and it says, and then coupled that with the dictionary's meaning of the word likeness and come up with the word an illusion, a resemblance, a representative figure. And I kind of thought about those things. And the word that came into my mind was a reflection in a mirror. Sort of like when God looks at us, he sees a reflection of himself. Now, that may not be the exact meaning of that word, but it's certainly something that I think about. When God sees us, he sees his reflection. And then I thought, you know, when we see our reflection in the mirror, especially when we wake up in the morning, we fix ourselves up and we make ourselves look as good as we can. You know, we comb or brush our hair, we brush our teeth, shave, apply makeup, you know, depending on who you are. We make ourselves look better. And I think God does that with us. He makes us look better so that we are a good representative of him when we go out into the world. And if you want to know more of why I say that, go back and listen to my podcast from July 19th called Embrace the sanctification process. And then you also know why he does that. So that we are a light in a dark world. Noticeable, because we're a little bit different than others. We are his reflection when we go out into our, our jobs or deal with the public. So, just like when when you're baking, you gather several ingredients, mix them together, and then something comes out, you know, like a cake (laughs) comes out. So, I took all of these words that I found researching that word image, and I put these four things together. Likeness, 
resemblance, representative figure, and reflection. And when I put all those together, what came out of the oven (laughs) was the word imitation. Now sit back and let that sink in. You are an imitation of God, an imitation of Jesus himself. Now, you may or may not be like me, but when I sat back and thought about that, it gave me a bit of a scare because of the ramifications of that and the responsibility of that. How close of an imitation of Jesus am I? How close of an imitation of Jesus do others say about me when I'm not there? Hmm. We are to endeavor to do all we can to be like Jesus who purchased us with his life. And in doing so, we actually bring glory to God. Imitation, you've heard this, imitation is the most sincerest form of flattery. And we glorify God when our character, our attributes, our actions our attitude, our demeanor, how we do our job, and especially our relationships are an imitation of Jesus Christ. Now, we can't do a very good job unless there is a book or directions for us to read or follow so that we know the standard that we are to be like, that we are to Endeavor to maintain, right? And there is a standard. There is a book of directions. That standard is actually a person. And we can read about that person in that book. You got it. The Bible. And that person is Jesus. (laughs) Now, the Bible is a very big and daunting book, isn't it? Well, so how do we be like Jesus? by reading about him, by studying him, by reading the stories about him in the Bible and asking ourselves, how did he handle that? How did he handle those people who were so opposite him, (laughs) who didn't agree with much of what he said, who had different beliefs than he did, or who were needing him really bad? You know, needy people. (laughs) How did he handle when someone didn't pay their bill? How did he handle when someone was begging for things from him? How did he handle when somebody was different? How did he handle it when somebody was injured or really sick or not able to do their job very well? You know, we can get all of that by reading about Jesus in the Bible. And what I'd like to do is suggest reading the somewhat short little book of Mark, the book of Mark. You can really learn a lot about Jesus because Mark was a teenager when Jesus was here on earth in his ministry, and he was enthralled by Jesus. He just was enthralled, and he took a lot of notes about Jesus and kept track of those notes, and and he interviewed a lot of people, especially Peter, who was really close to Jesus. And then he put all those notes together in one little book called The Gospel of Mark. And it's really a a rapid-fire 
boom, boom, boom account of Jesus and how he did handle situations and things. So read the book of Mark. Now, not all at one sitting. Read a chapter at a time or maybe even a paragraph or two. That's okay. Each day, read a little bit in the book of Mark and then ask, how did Jesus handle that or react to that situation? How can I act like him when something similar happens? Because Jesus went through a lot of the same things that we go through, which is really cool because he lived among us. He was one of us, and he went through the same issues that we go through. Yeah, he didn't have to try and reboot his computer when he couldn't even get it turned on, and you've got a bid due in 20 minutes, <laughs> or, or the internet is down and you've got to send out an email like right now. No, but very similar, very similar things. Or this, most of the issues and problems and tough things to deal with are centered around relationships. You know, the people around us. How did Jesus handle the people around him that were different than him or had different points of view? And people in his day really were no different than people are today. People are people. Let me wind this down with this. The Latin phrase, Imago Dei Corum Deo, captures the gist of this issue. It means Jesus is the center of our acknowledging that God created us in His image and wants us to be like Him so He can have a relationship with us. And when our relationship with Him, thanks to Jesus and through Jesus, is really good, our relationship with others is also really good. So let's work on our relationship with Jesus by studying Him, by being like Him, by practicing to be like Him. When an issue comes up at work, think, now how would Jesus handle this? And I want to try that this time. (laughs) Do that. The more you do that, the easier it will be, the less scary it'll be to where it becomes your nature, to where it becomes your light in a dark world, because you are an imitation of the God of light, the light of the world. If you'd like to read more about being the image of Christ, that's the topic of chapter 10 in my book. Your Glorious Endeavor, How to Glorify God, Be Well-Pleasing to Him, and Worship Him Acceptably. You can get that book anywhere books are sold, including Amazon. Or if you email me, maybe I'll send you one. Remember, you can contact me through my website, bluejeanschristian.com. And until next time, be His light in our dark world.